Thank you for downloading a Jigsaw Guide to Life with Alec McClellan. Hi, I'm Tim Donnelly. Welcome to the program. We're so glad you could join us today. What do you say when a Christian leader publicly walks away from his or her faith? It gets people's attention in the media, in the workplace, at home with your kids. Alec has a passion for pursuing truth, practicing tolerance, and promoting critical thinking. An author and a speaker, you can find out more about Alec and his resources at www.alexmcclellan.com. On today's program, Alec will talk about how to handle what many would describe as the danger of doubt, the kind of conversations that may threaten your Christian faith, and the faith of your family. Alec, before we begin today's program, we've all felt the pain of seeing Christians lose their way, lose their faith. Not just as something that impacts the church, it's something that impacts the faith of many young people. Tim, it's so true. There's a ripple effect that flows from every story, good and bad. A seed of doubt in one person's mind can raise doubts in the minds of others, and it should. I know you're not in favor of sweeping things like this under the carpet. You want to bring it into the light. So the doubts of one person should make others sit up and take notice. Absolutely. I've written and spoken a lot on how to deal with doubt. It's such a critical issue. Yet so many Christians think doubt is too hot to handle. There's a lot we can say on this subject, but when you run into this, I mean seeing the impact in the real world with real people, the first thing is not to say anything. The first thing is to listen and learn that there's always a lot of pain that punctuates these stories. We need to try and understand, respond with care and compassion. Only then do we begin gently and respectfully shining the light on the truth. I know you like to talk about building bridges, to build conversations with people. One of the reasons this is helpful is because it reminds us you need to start where people are before you can take them where you want them to go. Like building a bridge, you may want to go there, but you have to start from here. And when people are hurting, they're not looking for an argument. They're not even looking for a reasonable explanation, not at first. It's often said people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We need to earn trust and respect if people are going to hear what we have to say. Thanks, Alec. We look forward to today's program. The more confusion we see in the culture, the greater the opportunity to shine the light on God's perspective, bringing clarity to the conversation and pointing people back in the right direction. How would you respond to this headline? Prominent Christian worship leader reflects on his faith and decides the time is right to walk away. When I read the story of John Steingard, the lead singer of the band Hawk Nelson, a very well-known Christian band, it was heartbreaking because throughout uh, his life as a Christian, growing up as a pastor's kid, being involved in church, he started to arrive at a place where he had many deep searching questions and he didn't have answers and he started to undermine his faith until he came to the point he decided it was right to walk away. 
When I read that story, my heart went out to John first and foremost. He's the kind of guy that you want to go and grab a coffee with because he's a good guy and he's wrestling with good questions. Questions that I've wrestled with as a young person for sure. Many of the great Christian thinkers have asked these same questions. Some of my heroes, people like C.S. Lewis or G.K. Chesterton. And there's wonderful help and support that we can draw, we can glean from some of those questions because when we openly and honestly pursue them and find out that God has given us some answers, they don't undermine our faith, they reinforce it and they shine light on our faith. The Christian faith is not to be walked in the darkness. You don't close your eyes, you open them and you walk in the light. One of the things I do when I work with students is I say, listen, what are your toughest questions? Let's put them on a whiteboard. Let's get them out there. The most difficult questions, the questions you hope you'll never be asked. And let's spend some time looking at them. Remembering the difficult questions are difficult questions for everyone. Every worldview has to come up with some kind of a response. And we can find that the Christian worldview makes the best sense of the world, the best sense of others, the best sense of ourselves. So people who may read about this headline about John Steingard and some young people today, they may be thinking as he found out something perhaps that nobody else has known about. These are questions that are not new, but they're good questions and questions that deserve an answer. And there's many things that we can look to, that we can turn to, where we can overcome the doubts that we have and strengthen our faith in the process. So what was discouraging for me was that John Steingard was in a context and in an environment where he wasn't encouraged to be open about his doubts. He wasn't in a a context where he was encouraged to express them. Instead, he felt he had to suppress them. And unfortunately, that is not unusual. Many Christians struggle with doubt. Many more Christians struggle with struggling with doubt, as if we ought not to have any doubts if we truly are a Christian, which is not real. And certainly we look at the Bible, we look at church history, and we find out that that is not real. Many people wrestled with many difficulties, but God came alongside them and helped them, supported them and encouraged them so that they would be helped and that they could help others. Well, I want to very quickly touch very quickly on a couple of things that John had raised because many people will read the headline and wonder what were some of the things that actually discouraged him or dissuaded him from pursuing his faith as a Christian. One of the things he talked about was the difficulty of believing in God and the world that we live in. I I often turn to uh, some great atheists to reinforce my faith that God exists, which might sound a bizarre way to do it. But for example, a book that I read, a book that many people read, called The God Delusion, by probably the most famous atheist in the world today, Richard Dawkins, had many remarkable things to say that actually reinforced my faith as someone who believed in the existence of God. Listen to what Dawkins said in his book, The God Delusion. He said, it may be that the origin of life is not the only major gap in the evolutionary story that is bridged by sheer luck. What else, says Dawkins? The origin of the cell, the origin of consciousness. Yet since we're alive, our planet has to be one of the intensely rare planets that has bridged all three gaps. Richard Dawkins is an atheist. He looks at the same universe that you and I do. And he says, you know what, this is remarkable. We don't really have an explanation for many of the things that have happened. For example, the origin of the cosmos, the origin of life, the origin of cell, the origin of consciousness. These are things that have happened and we just got lucky because if we hadn't got lucky, we wouldn't be here to worry about it. So the fact is we're here. We must have got incredibly lucky. I read Dawkins' words and I say, how lucky are you going to get before you think there might be something else going on? You can have someone who wins the lottery. They win at one time. You say, well, listen, someone's got to win the lottery. What's so unusual about that? But if the same person wins the lottery again, 
and again and again and again, we start to wonder, I think maybe there's something else going on here. God has given us clues. His fingerprints are in the cosmos if we're willing to look for them. These things draw me back in the direction of God. One other quick thing um, that was raised by John Steingard's comments too was the Bible. Can we trust the Bible? That is a very important question, one that we ought to be willing to ask. Because if we can't trust the Bible, we are in trouble. Well, when it comes to the Bible, what reinforces our confidence in the accuracy of the Bible that we hold in our hands today? Well, I might turn to another surprising source. I might turn to the book written by Bart Ehrman, Misquoting Jesus. I like why are you turning to that book? Because Bart Ehrman was someone who was a Christian who walked away from his belief in God. And he uh, questions the accuracy of the Bible based upon so many different variants in the manuscripts that are available. But in the back of this book, Misquoting Jesus by Bart Ehrman, he reflects on the fact that he was taught by one of the great Christian scholars, Bruce Metzger, a strong Christian who believed in the accuracy of the Bible. Bart Ehrman studied under Bruce Metzger, and in the very back of his book, Misquoting Jesus, the question is posed to him, where do you stand on the Bible teaching the essential doctrines of Christianity because Bruce Metzger believed that the Bible conveyed those accurately. What did Bart Ehrman have to say? Listen to what he says. The ascent, this is Bart Ehrman. The essential Christian beliefs are not affected by textual variants in the manuscript tradition of the New Testament. Let me read that again in case you missed it. The essential Christian beliefs are not affected by textual variants in the manuscript tradition of the New Testament. We can have confidence in the essential Christian beliefs in the Bible. Who says so? Bart Ehrman, the author of Misquoting Jesus. So perhaps the title would be slightly misleading and many people have posed that question of Bart Ehrman. Why did he walk away then? from his faith in God if he said that the Bible actually accurately conveys essential Christian beliefs. Well, a couple of pages earlier, he says the reason he walked away from his belief in God is the pain and suffering in this world. And that's the last thing I want to touch on very briefly, because one of the primary obstacles in belief in the God of the Bible is often classified as the problem of evil and suffering. But the problem of evil and suffering in this world, when we dig deeper into it, actually doesn't push us away from God. It draws us back to belief in God. What do you mean by that, Alec? Well, the answer is this. If God does not exist, the natural world is all that we have and everything is natural. There is no other way the world ought to be. The world is what it is. And so you can't point to anything in this world and say that that ought not to be that way. It is what it is. The world should not be any other way. Everything is natural. You may not like it. Someone else might like it. And who are you to push your views on anybody else? The fact that we look at this world and see the brokenness doesn't push us away from God. It points us back in the direction of God. Indeed, I mentioned C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was initially pushed away from belief in God because of all the injustice in the world. But then eventually he realized... How can I even be complaining about injustice without a prior concept of justice? He said, a man does not call a line crooked unless he already has an idea of a straight line. C.S. Lewis recognised there has to be a standard above and beyond us, above and beyond this world, a standard of goodness. 
and from which we can see there is a departure from that. We are broken people living in a broken world. We need a standard above and beyond us. We need a standard above and beyond this world. And this takes us right back in the direction of God. He is the standard of goodness. And we have departed from that. As human beings who have rejected God become separated from God. And as a consequence, we're broken people living in a broken world. The problem of evil and suffering doesn't push us away from God. It leads us to a world where everything is natural. There's no other way the world ought to be. It is what it is. But we recognize the brokenness of this world, the crookedness of this line. We have an idea of a straight line, which takes us back in the direction of God as the ultimate standard of goodness. And so these are things that can point us back in the right direction. They can strengthen the foundation for our faith, things that we can share with people. But we need to have a context of openness and honesty so people like John Steingard and others can say, you know what, I've got questions, I've got doubts. And we need to create a safe environment where they can be expressed and they can be uh, talked about in a safe place. And we can share many of the things that God has revealed in the world and in his word to steer us back in the right direction. And I would encourage you too, if you're someone who knows Jesus and has trusted in Jesus, be ready to reach out and come alongside the people around you. And if you're the kind of person that's out there who's looking at life and scratching your head, I'd encourage you to dig deeper because God wants to help you make the best sense of the world, make the best sense of others and make the best sense of yourself so that you know and stand on the truth. Thank you for joining us. You can find out more about Alec and his resources at alexmcclellan.com. That's www.alexmcclellan.com. Learn to connect and communicate the truth of the gospel, building bridges and sharing your faith. Learn to look at life from God's perspective so you can make the best sense of the world, make the best sense of others, and make the best sense of yourself. I'm Tim Donnelly, and thanks for listening to A Jigsaw Guide to Life with Alec McClellan.